Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that digs up all sorts of information about the world of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we have some news stories including dealers are slow to mention some safety features. And we have two interviews. Warner Brothers has released a one-hour video documentary on the Batmobile. Brian Smith, a long-time devotee, gives his review. And Kevin Hepworth, General Manager of Corporate Communications, reflects on some issues of car sales and safety concerns in the current environment. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. So let's get the program rolling with the news. If a new vehicle has special safety features that a parent can apply when their children are driving, wouldn't you want to know about it? Some vehicles today have features that give parents extra control over their children's driving, but salespeople often don't mention them to prospective buyers. Unless prompted, researchers from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety have found. Information about the features can be difficult to find online too. Systems can limit the speed of the vehicle, keep track of its whereabouts, or prevent it from being put in gear if the driver hasn't buckled up. However, parents need to know about these features in order to take advantage of them. In an earlier survey of Ford owners, who were also parents of driving age teenagers, more than one third were unaware that their vehicle came equipped with this MyKey system. In the 1980s, a number of Japanese car makers were developing luxury vehicles that would be marketed under a different name. This year is a significant anniversary of one of the better-known ones here in Australia. It has been 30 years since the Lexus brand was launched in Australia, only one year after the first Lexus, the LS400, was launched on the world market. Its strengths were the build quality and luxury features, although the looks were rather bland. They now have 13 models in our market. Their top three selling models are SUVs, but they also have a number of sedans and hero sports cars. Their styling is much more aggressive. They have not dominated our luxury market. They sell about a third of the number of Mercedes or BMW and about two-thirds of Audi sales. But Nissan's Infiniti brand failed completely and Honda's Accrua never even tried. Car sales for April were down nearly 50%. So is this the time to bring upgraded models onto the market? Kia has just launched a new version of its Rio smallish sedan. Kevin Hepworth, Kia's General Manager of Corporate Communications, says why now is as good a time as any for a new vehicle. Planning for these things, as you well know, you know, you're a couple of years out when you're doing your timing on these things. So it's, it's a little bit hard to stop the momentum anyway but there's no need to at the moment the sales are starting to pick up again the market is is starting to show some life it's not on life support at the moment it's as good a time as any to to get out in the market with something fresh the adoption of electric vehicles continues in many different situations 
police forces in Europe are starting to acquire electric vehicles. Hyundai's Kona is being used by some forces in Spain, Switzerland and the United Kingdom. Three Netherlands police forces in Amsterdam, East Netherlands and Central Netherlands are testing Kona electrics. Electric police cars haven't caught on as quickly in the US. There are a few. Hyattsville, Maryland added one Chevy Bolt EV to its fleet in 2018, while Seattle acquired a fleet of Nissan Leafs for traffic enforcement in 2015. The Los Angeles Police Department bought 100 BMW i3 hatchbacks, but most of them ended up gathering dust in a garage. In Australia, Victoria has one Tesla Model X. If a comic hero has no special superpowers, it falls on his or her car to be a big part of making a statement to reflect their persona. A new documentary makes that point. Warner Brothers has released a one-hour video documentary on the Batmobile. Its history from 1939 and driving Bruce Wayne's car to 1941 when he got a special vehicle to the 1966 TV show and then on to the more recent movies. Overdrive's Brian Smith has felt the changes. Certainly the modern Batmobile, David, the more recent ones, uh, are more like armoured vehicles. Uh, I mean, the, the 60s Batmobile, open top, you know, there's no real protection there, uh, not even really much of a roll cage, but, but the other ones are much more assault vehicle-like. They have that look of being bulletproof and... Um, uh, you know, and, and really assault vehicles rather than uh, a camp and groovy car to be seen in. And that has been the news. Car sales are down and some new models are about. So what's happening with the industry? We occasionally catch up with Kia because they give such honest and down-to-earth information on the state of affairs. Kevin Hepworth is their General Manager for Corporate Communications and I asked him if their just-released new version of their Rio sedan was a significant upgrade. Probably not in the overall scheme of things, David. There's a few cosmetics changes to it and probably the most significant thing is the inclusion of a six-speed gearbox for the um, base model car. Is that an automatic? Yes, it is. Yes, it's now, so it's now a choice of six-speed auto or manual across the range, except for the GT. With that part of the market, you do well with things like the Serato, and you're, you're still doing well in the sedan area? Reasonably well. Sedans seem to have lost a bit of flavour. Hmm. Hatches are very much the flavour of the month, but you ought to have the choice there for customers because not everybody you know likes white bread or whatever so you have to have an opportunity to offer something different it's good then to bring in upgraded models even though we are in a very tough time that's still important part of the market oh absolutely absolutely i mean the 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 planning for these things as you well know they're a couple of years out when you're doing your timing on these things so it's, it's a little bit hard to stop the momentum anyway but there's no need to at the moment the sales are starting to pick up again. The market is, is starting to show some life. It's not on life support at the moment. It, it's as good a time as any year to, uh, to, to get out in the market with something fresh. April was a disaster. It is bouncing back a bit, is it? April was a, well, it was a disaster. I mean, 49% down in the marketplace. But, um, I mean, we, we didn't do too badly. We were well down with the market. But on what could have been, I mean, it wasn't a bad month at all, really. And now... 
our May is starting to look, um, you know, considerably better. The thing about it, you said that things like what we call SUVs, your little Siltos, is new on the market. Do you see it cannibalising some of your sedan sales? No, not so much sedans. Our concern with the Siltos was that it might it might cut the lunch a bit for the Sportage, but that hasn't really been the case. I mean, there's a lot of people who are coming in looking at Siltos and saying, oh, yeah, love it, but, you know, have you got something a little bit bigger and... and being shown Sportage and saying, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Mm. And so Sportage sales are doing okay. The Seltos is both selling numbers. I think it's your third best-selling vehicle so far this year. Mm -hmm. But it's also bringing people into the dealership, I guess. Oh, absolutely. As as any new model that gets positive media coverage and expert coverage. And Seltos is is selling very well. Mm. But... We're, we are a little restricted on uh, on numbers for that car, so it's nice to know that there there's a flow on from it, if you like. You could sell more if you could get them in? I would think that would be the case, yes. yes. Kia has held its ground on not doing savage discounts. You've always consistently low prices. Are you holding to where you were without having to do drastic measures because of the COVID-19 pandemic? In recent history, we've never gone in for discounting. Mm. It's, not, it's not been a, a sales tactic that the senior management have, uh, have encouraged in the, in the last successful years, if you like. And consistency of pricing across the range has been one of the key drivers in the successful growth that we're enjoying. We're not planning on changing. We have a drive-away strategy, best price first up, and, and make people can make their decision off that. Seems price is a very significant factor in that liked segment. The top of the range from a well-known company has declined more significantly, whereas some other things like Suzuki's and even MG's are, are rocketing up the market. It's still obviously very price sensitive. Oh, there's no doubt about that, David. Yeah, and it's, it's no different. Like people who buy a, a seventeen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollar car are probably stretching further than someone who's out there buying their, their $150,000 car. <laughs> it's a bigger purchase decision for them than it is for people with a much larger disposable income. So, yes, price is very, very sensitive, but you'll get caught out pretty quick if you've got price and, and no, uh, no quality with it either. Good product at a value, a value price, and seven-year warranty just adds to that value equation. The market is trying to reflect that to some degree, but it's not really jumped on that bandwagon, which really is the greatest indication that you have confidence in your product. Are you surprised it hasn't? Uh, others haven't matched you as totally uh, as uh, you thought they might? Well, initially, yes, we thought they'd you know they'd all come pretty quickly, but we're not complaining that they haven't because yes, it's a huge closing tool if you like for sales it's a it's a decider factor and it adds a tremendous value equation to the product so yeah we're, we're happy to you know if other people want to come along and dip their toe in it occasionally and pull back out of it again and come back in again that comes back to the to what we we're talking about in price with um with consistency of pricing consistency of product consistency of offering that builds a confidence you talked about price and how much it's stretching you. It's very easy for a motoring journalist to say, oh, I'll just spend an extra $10,000 and get this car or this up, you know, the up 
top-of-the-range model. For many people, that's a, a huge stretch, and uh, you have to be very much aware of that, don't you? Well, you, you do, and you have to offer opportunity to for a logical step up through the models, maintaining, uh, if you like, a degree of, of wow factor to every level of, of model. And as you say, David, like if somebody's come in to buy a, a, an eighteen thousand dollar car, and the salesman says, "Oh, you can have this one for, you know, twenty twenty four thousand. You've got to remember that's thirty three percent increase on what they're going to spend. That's a lot of money. There's a point out recently in America that salespeople are not emphasising safety factors, particularly to young people, as much as they might. Is that something that is an issue that you think is very important as in terms of reinforcing the safety measure at the appropriate time? There's no negotiation on safety. Safety is a critical. From our point of view, safety is critical. Hmm. All our training and dealership training is, includes safety as a, as a key segment of it. But having said that, there's a lot of indicators in the, in the market, a lot of data that says that the purchase process, safety's fairly well down on the list. Mm. So we don't discount it at all, but a lot of buyers don't rate it as highly as value, warranty, comfort um, and, and other inclusions. So it's a two-way street, really, isn't it? You, you can do all you can, but people have to be aware and want that product. They do, but the, there's also a lot of complacency. I think people are used to cars being safe now and having lots of airbags, ABS, electronic stability control. They've become accustomed to that being almost, you don't have to ask about that. It's going to be there. The, the confusing thing for people at the moment is, is NCAP, is how, they, how they're rating their cars. That, and that, that becomes a, a, a concern to everybody, I think, in that, there is no real simple like-for-like like rating systems. They've gone out and they said, okay, five stars is fantastic, four stars is not so good. But in fact, a lot of four cars these days, four-star cars these days, are way safer than cars that are still carrying five-star ratings from three, four years ago. Yes, the bar gets higher and people don't necessarily tell you that they, they achieved the jump four years ago, which is not as high as the one to, uh, trying to get over that level of safety now. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the recognition levels, if you like, are allocated under a different regime each, almost each year, each two years. And, and the playing field changes a lot and sometimes it's more than the playing field, it's actually the venue. It confuses the buyer too, because the buyer will go, oh, just, I don't want to know that. It's just a, give me a car that's got a nice colour and seven-year warranty and, and roadside service. That's what I want. I want a reliable vehicle. I'm not going to have an accident, and that's yes. the mindset of a lot of people. I'm, you know, I'm safe. Uh, I don't need that. Yes, other people have accidents, don't they? It's, it's other people who have accidents. Well, until you have your own, yes, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, that's a perception, not a reality. The best thing about it, David, I mean, this has been a, a, a hobby horse of mine for, for many years, going back to when I was in the media. The, the inclusion of things like ESC, airbags, AEB, are critical in the new market, but they're even more important in the second-hand market where less experienced drivers are buying these vehicles. If you can get those key critical safety features into the second-hand market, that's a major win. 
And that's what's happening. Car, more and more cars in the early purchase consideration, the second-hand vehicle market, have these features, and therefore they're safer for young drivers. The flow down is, is critical. Yeah, then no question that in many ways, even pollution and that, that the turnover of vehicles then, does that become critical from a community point of view, not just from a sales point of view of car makers? Well, it becomes critical in that cars are more reliable these days. They last longer, although Australia has always had a very extended car park. People have kept cars in Australia for far longer than they have in other markets, whether legislated or not. But the fact that the cars are more reliable, they last longer, and people turn them over more often these days, apparently. It appears to be the way that you, you know, if you're outside four years, you're looking for a new car. That means those cars, which are still fully serviceable, are going into the second-hand market for people who, um, who may need the assistance of them more than, than someone who can afford a new car, if you like. All right, Kevin, that's lovely. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No worries, David. And that was Kevin Hepworth, Kia's General Manager for Corporate Communications. You're listening to Overdrive. There's something incredibly primal about the relationship between man and machine. It's extraordinarily powerful. It's almost like the myth becoming the reality. To talk about myth and reality, who better than to do that than Brian Smith. Brian, I began with a quote from a video on the history of the Batmobile. Is it myth and reality? It is. It's, it's uh, my mythical childhood watching the 1960s Batman, David. Was that a big part of your childhood, was it? It was. In fact, I had a toy Batmobile, um, a dinky one, I think it may have been, not, um, not uh, Matchbox. But as you drove the car along, a little sort of red plastic flame came out of the exhausts. Oh. So it had uh, it had quite a few little things. It was a bit of a pride and joy, that classic old Batmobile from the 60s look and, and Batman from the 60s with the pow and the biff and all that sort of stuff, loved it. Batman is significant in that he doesn't have superpowers. He's just a good, fit person trying to do the right thing. Is it important, though, that he had a car that reflected his psychology, his, his approach to life? David, I, I think the big thing about, about Batman is, is his, uh, the importance of tech in his uh, crime-fighting endeavours. So he's more than just a good guy. He's got a whole bunch of money, which he spends on an incredible array of crime-fighting equipment to give him an edge over the baddies uh, that you know, he has no superpowers to achieve. And so the car and its all its capabilities um, is very important to him. It's, it's in a sense, uh, it's the biggest thing on his utility belt. It comes blasting out of that cave and it has a whole lot of sort of machine guns and smoke generators and an amazing technology to, to defeat the baddies. It became, though, a very outward appearance, became very important, which is different from, say, James Bond, oh, yes. which had an elegant car where things were hidden. It's almost it's British in a way, isn't it, that you hold yourself calmly and quietly without being ostentatious, but you carry a big stick, but you don't show it. So it's definitely interesting that Batman had a, a custom vehicle and didn't you know, make use of something like a like a, a pickup truck or something like that that um, 
that he may have used. And it's interesting that all of the Batman, Batman sort of stories take this assumption that the Batmobile is something completely unusual and unseen on the road. Original. Yeah, I guess he could have retrofitted something. I mean, couldn't he? He could have taken a, a standard car because, because, let's face it, the Batmobile stands out. You know, when you're being tailed by Batman, there's no question, is there? Who is it? Yeah, you know, <laughs> Batman is not just some some fella. <laughs> undercover. Batman can't go undercover. Pretty hard with a cape as well, isn't it? <laughs> the outfit, yes. And the Bruce Wayne. Oh, I've probably given a spoiler there for <laughs> anyone who's not familiar with Batman. In the Bruce Wayne persona, yes. It had to build up that way. The first comic came out on the 27th of May, 1939, just before the Second World War. But he really had sort of a derivative car there. But it was in the 50s that they wanted modernising him. And in the 1966 series that you grew up on with the Batman and Robin there, that actually the car itself was a derivative of a Ford concept car, the Futura that Ford actually made it, and then they put the hood on. So it wasn't a car you could buy, but it was a derivative of that. I know someone who knows someone who drove it and reckons it was an absolute dog of a car to actually drive. Look, it's got a very 1950s style about it, hasn't it? It's got gigantic wings and and air intakes and things like that. So so it, ha- it definitely has an American muscle car kind of ambiance about it that, that I think none of the other later batmobiles have you know it it looks like you know an american roadster big v8 thirsty thing with um you know all of those design cues from the 50s and 60s and of course mag wheels that's important it was a concept car from 1955 you've hit it on the head there brian 11 years later they did it up they blinged it up but then they, it was a 1955 concept car. So, yes, it did reflect everything that we thought was going to last forever from the 50s. So Bruce Wayne must have fallen on hard times to get a sort of a, a classic Batmobile rather than something up-to-date and modern. Now, when they go modern, and particularly around 86, they'd had the concept, I think they had the rights from 79, but they wanted to develop a much darker Batman. And what it went from was the 50s futuristic fins and fins and fun almost to this very dark mobile right up to the point now. They even tried to sort of have the Batman assault tank. They became, became the American notion of very big and bold and, and, and aggressive and not just get there quickly and, and solve the problem, but bulldoze your way there. It goes back to mythology. You remember, of course, uh, the North um, mythological uh, person of Odin. And when Odin wanted to have a better, been given a better horse, they gave him Slipnir, who was a horse with eight legs. Now, that's classic American, isn't it? That if four legs are good, then eight legs have got to be twice as good. Sort of spike. So the latest Batmobile has four wheels across the back, and it's a real jump-and-thump sort of car. It's not elegant in any way. It is incredibly aggressive. It's the World Championship wrestling car in the Batmobile franchise. Oh, by the way, Odin, of course, has a link to Australia. Odin was the god of wisdom, poetry, death, divination, and magic. 
but he had he was the father of Thor and a few others. Thor is of course now linked to the Hemsworth. He was six degrees of separation, but there's no indication in Thor of him riding an eight-legged horse. Certainly the modern Batmobile, David, the more recent ones, uh, are more like armoured vehicles. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the 60s Batmobile, open top, you know, there's no real protection there, uh, not even really much of a roll cage. But, but the other ones are much more assault vehicle-like, aren't they? Mm. they? They have that look of being bulletproof and, um, uh, you know, and, and really assault vehicles rather than uh, a camp and groovy car to be seen in. Yes. And, of course, you can't see Batman in any of the other vehicles, whereas in the original 60s Batmobile, which I love, um, you know, he's right out there. I mean, people see Batman and Robin driving past. There's no question of who they are. He can't go incognito, is what you're saying. It's absolutely clear that he's entitled to. From the documentary, I learned, Brian, that, uh, again, I think you've hit the nail on the head because when they built one of the more modern Batmobiles, they struck a slight problem. You couldn't get into it. They forgot to put a door on it. (laughs) But you're right. It has become very much more the desert storm, fire and ore sort of thing rather than the campy turn up, turn up and do it. But, see, Brian, you remember the gadgets. You know, I I sort of remember, but I don't remember them any near as much as I remember James Bond's gadgets with the ejector seat and the guns out the front and the smoke and the tacks that they drop on the ground. I actually had to look up what were the top ten gadgets. Now, you reflected on that. You know, there were smoke things there. There were freeze grenades, ultrasonic bat beacon, six smoke pellet smoke bombs, a bat computer. That was fairly modern, wasn't it? A Batmobile remote control, they're predicting the future, and a bat suit taser. One of the marvellous about the original Batman was everything was labelled. Um, <laughs> so the bat computer had a bat computer written on it. Undoubtedly they label it. Now, as someone who drives a different car each week, I like that idea. Yes. Because I don't get familiar with it. I think it's got great measure. And quite often I can judge a car on whether I can find the volume switch quickly enough. Maybe there's something there. Well, Brian, we will at a later time talk about uh, the Batmobile and culture in certainly fighting communism, but we'll come to that in our time. Thank you very much. Look forward to it, David. And that was Brian Smith. We were talking about the history of the Batmobile and a documentary that is available on YouTube. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Kevin Hepworth, Brian Smith and Paul Just for their great help during this program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City, one word. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.